If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. For today's chat, we've got Joanne Barikios back again. I'm looking forward to it. Last time she talked about looking for a more of a beginner horse or a first horse. Now she's going to talk about 10 tips when shopping for a competition prospect. And I think she's going to go more along the lines of a dressage show, jumping and eventing. So more the Olympic disciplines of shopping for that competition prospect. And if anyone would like to listen to her previous podcast or a previous chat, on looking for the first horse, just go to horsechats.com and search for Joanne, search for Verikios, or just go and search for Joanne Verikios and you'll find her first one as well as any others that have come up since then. How are you today, Joanne? I'm super well, thanks, Dennis. How are you? <laughs> yeah, good. Good, thanks, Joanne. Looking forward to this one. Joanne, the 10 tips when shopping for a competition prospect. Why did you choose this one? Well, it seemed a natural follow-on from the shopping for a beginner's horse, Mm -hmm. at least logically in my mind. But it's also really important because in this this conversation, we'll step up the horse selection for a rider who has some or a lot of experience and they want a horse to take them up the levels. Uh, So with a beginner's horse, it's some of the principles are the same, but it really is a whole different set of of issues for a safe beginner's horse that will be a pleasure to start riding on and people will want to keep riding. Mm. Uh, With a competition horse, you need to keep in mind that you're selecting the horse for his or her ability to help you, the rider, fulfil your competition objectives. Yes, yes. So someone should probably, if they are more of a beginner and looking for their first horse, they should probably go back and listen to the other one. And even if they are looking for a competition horse, it wouldn't hurt if they went back and listened to the other one as well. I think so. And it's uh, like without blowing my own trumpet, (laughs) there's universal wisdom in that one. And as an experienced horse person, I certainly found people asking me to help them choose beginner's horses and more advanced horses. And that will happen to everyone listening potentially once you are known in the horse world as having some experience people with less experience will value your opinion. And so it's a you know, a great tool just to uh, give some structure to the conversation you might have with prospective, um, well, with friends who are looking for ponies, et cetera. Yep, yep. All right, well, if we can get started. So the first tip you've got for looking for a competition prospect is know thyself, number one. Yes. Now, the reason I have said that is Everybody is different. Everybody's experience, skills, and ambitions are different, and they're really important to refining the search for a horse. So the horse you're looking at or were looking at when you were competing would be Mm. different from the one I was looking at. Uh, If somebody just wants a nice horse to ride, have fun on at the lower levels, then they're likely to have an easier search and possibly a cheaper search, but not always a cheaper search than if you're looking for a world-class performer. Sure. So you need to ask yourself, do you want a young horse you can train yourself 
and do you have the skills and ability to do that and the time or do you want a horse that's ready to go on with? So in other words, you need to be really, I think, honest uh, mm-hmm. with yourself about your own ability, about your finances, about your facilities. So for instance, uh, you can't keep a stallion in the same kind of facility, you're just not paddock as you might a gelding or a mare. And you need to answer the question that only you can answer, which is how long are you prepared to wait before you enter your target level of competition? So do you want a horse that's ready to go as soon as you form your partnership or are you prepared to wait eight years if you Mm -hmm. buy a foal today? Yes, yes. And then the other end of the question is how far afield are you prepared to look because that will refine your search. So locally, interstate, overseas. Yep, yep. All right. Now we talked about doing this mainly for dressage, show jumping and eventing. The second tip you've got is to decide what sport and what level you want to use the horse for. Mm. Yes, well, this is important because there are always exceptional animals who will excel despite being physically put together in a way that suggests they're more likely to fail. So there's one I mentioned in my book, for instance, uh, Stroller, who was a 14-one-hand show-jumping pony, (laughs) and he took um, a young English girl, Marion Cokes, all the way to the Olympics. So it's an amazing record. They won 61 open international competitions. So stroller jumping against horses and giving away two, three hands height. Uh, And he won an individual silver medal at the uh, 1968 Olympics. He was the only pony to compete at the Olympics in show jumping and the only one to win the Hickstead Derby. Now, if you were going shopping today for a show jumping prospect and you saw a stroller in a paddock, you'd probably say he was too small. And you would probably be right because, you know, there are all sorts of conditions of Marion taking him through the levels at Pony Club, etc. But it just goes to show you can't write a 14 one-hand horse off simply because of the size. He's got the heart and he obviously had the, the jump in him. Um, mm. Now, that said, though, a horse's conformation does provide clues about his or her suitability for a particular activity or discipline, and good judges of horses can see whether the strengths outweigh the weaknesses, how the whole package should be handled in terms of the horse's career choices and training and other uh, measures you might need to compensate for some of the weaknesses and maintain their health and, and their soundness. So I think that's probably all I wanted to say on that. Oh, except that while we're focusing on dressage, eventing and show jumping today, a lot of the same principles will apply to many other equestrian sports. Yes, yes. And just an interesting thing about Stroller in the Olympics, she actually had to convince her father was going to sell him when she went from the junior ranks to the senior ranks. And she actually had to convince her father to just give him a go. Can I just keep him to see how he goes in the senior ranks? Yes. And she that faith she had in him, I'm sure, was mm. part of their secret. For sure, for sure. And of course, yeah. Yeah. All right. So number three here is describe your ideal competition partner. A bit of visualisation, isn't it? You know, just visualising, seeing what sort of force that you would like and what your ideal is and just having that knowledge. Yes, mm. exactly. Mm. Mm. Exactly. It's, it's as if you were going to buy a car or a house. You know, you have an idea Um, What do you want to use the car for? Is it a towing vehicle? Is it a sports vehicle? Is it a race car you want? 
that sort of thing. If you want a house, uh, do you need four bedrooms, three bedrooms, how many bathrooms, all of that sort of thing. So translating it to horses, um, you need to know what you're looking for because at the end of the day, when you meet a, a prospective horse, you want to be able to say, it fits my criteria, I like it, and I think it will suit me, or for this reason and that reason, it doesn't fit my criteria, so I will look at, at others. So some of the things you might put in your uh, your list, and I would recommend actually that people write this down because the clearer you can get on it, the more likely you are to find that horse. That's just one of the bizarre things of how the mind works with your reticular activating system, uh, which I won't go into now. That's another <laughs> conversation. So you want to look at how old you want it to be um, when you buy it. So bear in mind, the younger the horse, the harder it is to gauge its true potential. Uh, you can see basic potential, but there's a lot that can happen between uh, being foaled and going under saddle and entering the first competition. So a known quantity under saddle can be a better bet, take some of the guesswork out of it. Okay. And then in terms of age, um, some horses mature at different rates than others. So warm bloods, for instance, especially the, the bigger, heavier ones, are notoriously slow to mature. They're purpose-bred for the Olympic disciplines, which is great. But uh, even if your young horse is, is backed as a three-year-old, and even that's getting controversial in some circles now, you need to bring them along very slowly. So if you don't want to wait six or seven years to get stuck into a competition, then perhaps you'd be better off looking for a seasoned horse, that even one that has competed at perhaps a higher level than you have, rather than waiting for a, a baby to grow up. Okay. So there's a whole lot of stuff to be said around age. Mm. And mm. then there's size. Uh, and again, with a baby, um, yeah, you can have a fair idea of what size a horse will grow to, but it's not guaranteed because take um, two horses I bred, for instance, full brothers, one grew to 16 hands and one grew to 17.3. So if you bought the second one, the 17.3 one, as a, a foal thinking it would mature at 16.2 hands, then you would have a shock and have to buy new new gear and new rugs. Yes. So, yeah, what height will he or she reach when mature? And again, mm -hmm. a mature horse has stopped growing, so you've got that. And how does that work for you? You might want a big one, you might want a small one, um, all sorts of things. Then colour is important to some people. They say a good horse is never a bad colour, uh, but you know there are people who love chestnuts, love bays, love black horses, that sort of thing. If that's important, put it on your list. Do you want a mare, a gelding or a stallion? Write that down. Is breed important? Uh, are you in love with thoroughbreds? Would you prefer a warm blood, an Irish sport horse, uh, Andalusian cross, you know, there's a huge range of, of breeds that will probably suit your discipline. Warm bloods are purpose-bred for all three Olympic disciplines. As I may have said, thoroughbreds uh, come into their own, especially with eventing, and they're popular with show jumping. But as we saw with the stroller example, there are all sorts of exceptions and mixes and matches. Then on your list, you want a level of experience and a price price range. Mm -hmm. And once you've got all that, you still still need to be open minded and prepared to compromise. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Well, that's number three. What about number four? How to develop your eye? 
uh, Lynn Crowden, who judged with me on the uh, second Australian Warm Blood Horse uh, Association assessment tour, she is a terrific judge of horse flesh and she runs Woodlander Stud in the UK. And she said a really good thing, which is develop your eye and then trust it. So it's important to have an eye for a horse. And some people are, I think, a bit bit born with it, but uh, you can certainly build it. So how do you do it? Um, I would say four main things. Watch watch horses, watch events, watch competitions, watch the discipline that you're interested in, see which horses do the best and seem to do it the most happily uh, with a smile on their face and the most effortlessly because some horses excel, but, you know, they look like they're, they're under sufferance. And then observe, remember, and compare all of that um, so that your, uh, your description of the ideal horse gets refined. You can read books and online there's a huge amount of material these days about developing your eye and all sorts of really great pictures and you know, more arrows and animations than you need. <laughs> now, YouTube has some really good stuff. And the other thing is discussing your thoughts, your findings, your observations with knowledgeable people and getting a readout on on their take on, you know, are these legs good? Is that uh, foot going to cause problems? That sort of thing. Yep. All right. Now, that's good because you've decided what the ideal horse is. You've described it. You're in the process of developing your eye. But where can you find a suitable horse? Where's the best place to start looking for a suitable horse? Uh, that's probably... No easy answer to that. There's a range of places you can look. Although, actually, Dennis, I take that back. I always think the best place is a recommendation from someone who knows what you're looking for, knows what you're capable of, what, mm-hmm. what level yes. of skills you're at, and who knows a horse that would be would possibly Suitable. fit the bill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So word of mouth is, is the best, I think, uh, from a trusted source. Because there are lots of people who will, you know, happily sell you horses, but someone who has their best interests at heart, or a friend who is has, um, you know, developed a schoolmaster and is now moving up to a young horse or a different horse or something like that. Mm-hmm. Those horses are worth their weight in gold, and they're actually, if you can get hold of one, really, really good, but not always that easy to find. Then there are you can go to competitions and let people know that you're looking for a horse because often, again, word of mouth, people will say, oh, someone over at that white float is actually has a horse for sale today. Go and have a look at it. Clubs are good, um, you know, clubs and associations and all sorts of uh, affiliations you might belong to, breed associations or show jumping clubs, dressage clubs, adult rider clubs. Let people know what you're looking for. And social media is huge now for buying and selling horses. And, you know, I see more and more nice horses advertised at uh, some really competitive prices and they tend to, you know, the, the thread goes, oh, how much, oh, nice, oh, sold. <laughs> <laughs> so that um, can be something to watch. Then there's magazines, you know, there's some very tried and true magazines that advertise uh, horses for sale. So I won't go through those, but they're online and they're in the news agencies. And often they will have breed specials or discipline specials, like you know, 
August is warm blood month or September is stallions or whatever the case may be. Yes. And then there are the dealers and the breeders themselves who may advertise their studs, may be a little harder to find, but asking around, you can find them. And, of course, the associations will often put you in touch with the dealers and breeders. And then there are auctions. There are auctions of performance horses and there are auctions of all sorts of horses that um, can go to, depending on your skill and luck and uh, wallet. You can get some very nice horses at auction as well. But that's probably the hardest situation because, yes, you can often ride a horse before an auction, but sometimes you can't. And it's the the atmosphere of an auction is perhaps not a fair place to evaluate a, a horse in. I have bought a horse at auction and I rode a couple of them beforehand and it was drama-free, but uh, I can see those things could go wrong too. So there's no ideal way. Yep, yep. Because going to competitions and there's times when you're going to see the horse that you can actually look at the horse. but. If you're going, this is number six, when you do look at the horse, you go to see the horse, what qualities should you look for? You know, you've already decided what you do want, but what are the qualities that we're looking for when we first see the horse? Mm. Yes. Well, as a list, <laughs> I would say if you're looking for a dresser, show jumping or eventing horse, yes. first and foremost, you're looking for an athlete. Yes. And you're looking for a competition partner. So a bit like if you were to the, perhaps the closest um, all-human combination might be doubles in tennis or synchronized swimming or something like that, where you work very, very closely with another person. So you need to be looking for a horse that is athletic and that will complement you. But drilling down from that, I mean, I'm uh, fond of saying correctness isn't everything, but it's a good start. And especially important, I would start at the bottom of the horse and, and look up. So look at the feet, the old saying, no foot in the horse isn't there uh, without very good reason, because it's true. And life is a bit short to be nurturing a horse with genetically bad feet. And that's a, that's a whole science. And uh, you've probably had people talk just about feet on your podcasts. I have, actually. Mm. Yeah. So I would recommend that people listen to the this specific confirmation podcast because we won't have time to go into all of that today. And then you work up from the feet to the legs and you look at the lines of the feet and the legs together and how they flow into each other and their correctness in terms of, of mechanics and confirmation and Ability to give the horse a greater chance of staying sound. So, you know, yourself, say you've got one of those card tables with folding legs. If one yes. of the legs isn't straight, the card table is more likely to fall over or be pushed over. There's a weakness there. Whereas if all the legs are nicely braced, then uh, it's more likely to stay stable. It's the same with a horse. If uh, there's irregularities in the way the joints are put together, then the horse is less likely to stay sound. Now, it doesn't mean it won't because of the exception to the rule principle, but you might as well try to stack the odds in your favour. Bearing in mind, I said you're going to have to be prepared to compromise because the perfect horse has never been foaled. Um, but what you want is a harmonious horse. And when I was studying warm blood classifying, 
one of the things emphasized to me for a riding horse, a modern riding horse, which is an Olympic competition horse, is that you want your horse to fit in a rectangular frame. So you don't want it as short in the back as an Arabian, for instance, and you don't want it too rectangular like a like a dachshund. Mm-hmm. Not that any horses are that long, but, you know, some you could possibly get a couple of saddles on <laughs> and they would work. Uh, so a rectangular frame with, uh, especially for dressage and uphill kind of uh, build. So it, the horse, even standing still, looks like it. It is going and could go uphill. Depending on the discipline, you need more or less beauty and presence uh, because they help greatly in dressage and an eventer is also a dressage horse. In show jumping, it's very uh, objective. The rail is down or it stays up or there's a stop or there isn't, whereas, you know, dressage and, and eventing uh, cross country is the same, but it dressage is a little more subjective and so beauty balance and proportion can come into play there more but again balance and proportion predispose a horse to being sound because the correctly conformed horse is more likely to work better and not stress any one uh, joint or muscle or or whatever and then once you've got the, the build of the horse sorted you need to look at the paces And they can sometimes surprise you and think, oh, this horse is beautifully built, it should move well, but it won't necessarily. And this horse, you think, gosh, you know, it won't have much reach out the front because it has, say, a straight shoulder, will surprise and and, uh, have great extension. So uh, we're not talking about show horses, but if you were looking for a show horse, you would want a real head-turning horse to compete at the highest levels and you want it to live up to its looks in the workout. So... Uh, has to be a flashy looker and a flashy mover. Dressage horse, uphill build, good shoulder, very good self-carriage and good paces, especially the walk and canter because you can improve the trot and you want a natural impulsion in a dressage horse. Um, There's all sorts of technical things like extra length in the forearm, shorter cannon bones, I would, but we won't go into that much. Um, so as I said, eventers, they're also dressage horses, plus you need them to be bold and brave and not too heavy. Although, uh, and you know more about this than me, the one and three day courses are changing. So the horses don't perhaps don't need the same level of endurance as they may have once. Um, again, you long shoulders. Most of the great eventers seem to have very well-defined withers. Have you noticed that? Yes, easy to put a saddle on. Mm. Mm. And then you want them to be light-footed, sure-footed, you know, so they're not, uh, when they gallop across country, there isn't great concussion going up through the body. Um, you want them to be clever so they can get out of trouble. And the same with show jumpers, they need to be agile, able to compress and extend and careful. And, of course, eventers are show jumpers too. What else? In a show jumper, any jumping horse, you want good leg style, so to be able to snap their forelegs up out of the way and also lift their hind legs out of the way so they're not hitting rails and rubbing on solid fences. And you want what's called bascule, which is the ability to uh, curve their back over a jump. That is the most efficient way to jump 
and it's also that makes the landing much more smooth and easy to gallop on from. And finally, in um, all of them, in fact, you want speed. You don't use speed a great deal in dressage, but you do want the horse to have that ability to, to collect and extend. And even dressage horses like a good gallop now and then. <laughs> all right, then. So that was good. That was the qualities that we're looking at. And you talk quite a lot about the qualities. But what about evaluating temperament and manners? Because number seven is how to evaluate temperament and manners. Yes. Uh, it's great if you can to see the horse in their their own environment first and even as um, microcosmic, if you like, as in their stable. So often when you go to see a horse, it will already have been brought out somewhere and groomed and perhaps it's, you know, tied up, he or she is tied up waiting for you. It's good to see how the horse reacts when they're simply loose in a stable or a yard. Do they come and um, look at you in a friendly, happy way? Do they have a a soft, kind eye or are they a bit uh, snaky with their ears back or do they try to nip people who go past or are they simply bored beyond belief and very chilled and laid back. None of these things are necessarily fatal to the uh, sale, but you get an idea of what the horse is like at home, if you like. Yep. And then you would ask for it to come out into a, an area where you can see it in the light, assuming we're talking, say it's in a stable, please bring the horse out into the, the stable yard. And then you could do your walk around and look at the confirmation and the feet and that sort of thing, and even picking up the feet, walking around the horse, um, shifting its tail to one side, running your hands over its body, down its legs, feel for lumps and bumps, all of that sort of thing. You get an idea of how the horse copes with it. Is it um, used to being handled? Is it fine with all of that? Is it nervous? Now, if you're talking about a foal or something like that, you can excuse some um, greenness and inexperience. But if you are talking about, say, a five-year-old horse that's going under saddle and he or she objects to some of these procedures, well, why? So uh, a lot can be learned from the eyes of the horse, even their size and their, their shape and everything else. But you'll get a really good idea of the horse's personality and how brave he or she is just being exposed to one or more strange people like you, uh, not that I'm saying you're strange, but <laughs> un- <laughs> different people, then maybe you would ask for the horse to go into the arena and I would always recommend that the owner ride it. You ask to see the horse ridden or the owner ride it or the owner provide a rider if the owner doesn't ride so that you can watch it ridden and then we'll get into um, experience and training under the next question. But what I think you want to have in mind when you're evaluating temperament and manners and uh, basic training, but it's also innate personality, is what is this horse's mind like? Is this horse likely to be a cooperative, willing partner with me? Will we both enjoy this partnership? And there's a, a term that is the horse speaks to you. Now, they don't speak in words, but uh, I'm sure you've encountered it and people listening will have encountered it. You can see a hundred horses and they're horses and they're beautiful, but one or two of them, you think, this is this is a really lovely horse. I would like to take this horse home. 
that's what I mean by speaking to you. It has that little extra something. I guess it's chemistry. So look for that as well. Okay. Yeah. I think it's important, you know, having a rapport with a horse and getting along with a horse is very important. Yes. It helps a very (laughs) great deal when the chips are down. Yeah. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. What about experience and training? What can you say about that? That's the next question we're asking about the 10 tips when shopping for a competition prospect is what about experience and training? Well, you probably have a fair idea about experience and training from, say, the advertisement for the horse or what the owner has already told you. So you'll know what level the horse is at or is supposed to be at, or if it's a foal or a yearling or a a two-year-old or whatever, it has very little experience and training except for basic handling. So when you're doing your inspection or you're watching the video, as I said, get someone else to ride first and look at things like Is the horse balanced under this rider? Do they flex equally uh, to the left and the right? What's their attitude to the bridle? What's their attitude to the saddle? Are they cold-backed or girthy? Do they object to being mounted? Do they stand still when they're being mounted? Are they green? Do they just show that they're a workmanlike horse who will give uh, what you ask? Or are they a bit sour about it? And then uh, in terms of experience and training, the mouth is, of course, very important. Not only what shape is the mouth and size and the conformation, whether it's correct or a parrot mouth or an underbite or whatever. One good thing is to ask the owner, perhaps on the phone before you get there, what kind of bit does she go best in? Uh, and that can can be quite revealing, but watch what sort of bit they're riding the horse in, how uh, the horse responds to the bit, what are the brakes like, and then also what's the engine like? Does the horse need to be pushed every stride or held back, or is the horse so well trained that when you ask for a trot at a certain pace, it will maintain that until you ask for something else to happen? Okay. And then if you know if you don't like any of this, you don't have to buy the horse. The owner presumably has to or wants to sell it, but you don't have to buy it and you don't have to ride the horse if you don't like what you see happening, especially if what you see happening under saddle worries you. Well, why would you get on? But if you do like what you see, uh, stay, ride the horse. And uh, I think a really handy tool in this day and age is to ask somebody to video you riding the horse so that you can then look at how you look together, size, weight, build, Uh, rapport as you said and it's really great if you can have a couple of rides on the horse if you're very interested in it maybe go back next day and do it again or that afternoon or something like that may not always be possible but if um, you're outlaying a fair bit of money I think it's well worth it yeah yep the the video is certainly a good idea yeah yes actually there's a quote um from a, an American show jumper called Tim Stockdale. on uh, He was talking about buying a horse and he said that he, I'll just read the quote, I've got it here. I have to like a horse as much the second time, if not more, he says. But I always abide by my own rule that if I find two reasons not to like a horse, I won't buy it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's interesting. 
Um, it's a, you know, a reasonable rule and he he's a, a horse trader as well as a competitor. So he buys and sells a lot of horses. Yes, yes, and and someone that's quite experienced in that. What's the old saying? Is one white foot like this? Is the going back to the feet again? <laughs> is it one white foot buy a horse, yes. two white feet try a horse, three white feet look well about them, and four white feet go well without them? Yes, <laughs> that's um, an oldie but a goodie. Mm-hmm. And you see some great horses with four white feet and yeah. they're strong and others where they're not, so. Yes, and I think it's, as you say, you know, every horse is individual. You know, you talked again about stroller at the Olympics. So, I mean, I've had horses with four white feet and been able to work them and no problem at all. And other ones that have got all black feet and they've been problems with their feet. So, everyone's different. Yes. Mm. Yeah, and some people like, uh, well, it's unusual to have a horse with two different coloured eyes, but it happens, you know, one blue eye, one yes. brown eye, they're both perfectly fine. Yeah. Does it matter for a competition horse? No. Uh, but you know, some people don't like it. Some people like horses that have a, a ring of white around their eye, not showing the white of their eye, like as in eye rolling, but just uh, more like a human eye. Mm. And uh, others like it all to be brown. It's very, lots of personal things, sure. which is good, or we'd all be fighting over the same horse. <laughs> All right. Now, the number nine tip you've got is what questions should you ask the seller? Yes, so the seller is a mine of information or should be. And like, for instance, when I was selling horses, I wanted people to know as much as possible about them so there'd be no surprises for the buyer, but also no surprises for the horse. And so... If, you know, I was very upfront about what their level of experience was and that sort of thing. But you would also want to talk about what is the horse's health and soundness history because you have a right to know. And the seller should disclose things like, for instance, some mares are given regimate to um, dampen down their cycles when they're competing. If the horse is on regimate when you try it, well, it's really helpful to know that for example, yes. and yes. a lot of um, um, racehorses are, are given regimate. But there's things like Paris, and, and that's just a brand name. There are other, other names for these um, preparations. There's things like what sort of parasite control program have you implemented and has the horse been wormed or had sickle leg counts done all its life? Because if there have been significant periods missed, you know, you run the risk of old strong goal damage and, and things like that. That can throw a spanner into your uh, career plans. Is the horse, you may not take the horse for a gallop when you try it, particularly in a small arena, but is it Aurora, uh, which is a, a wind um, disorder? Is it a bleeder? Again, it shows up after a galloping. Uh, they should disclose that, especially if you're going to be wanting to use the horse for a sport that potentially will bring those things to the fore. Uh, All sorts of things like that, vaccination history. So you want the horse to be as sound and as healthy as it possibly can, because again, think of the word athlete. I think athlete is key. And lame athlete or a sick athlete or an athlete with a, a bad back is not going to excel uh, without you know compromise and, and personal um, discomfort as one who is doesn't have those issues. Yep. 
And of course, you don't want uh, any vision issues in an athlete like that. You would ask the seller how many times or how often the teeth were checked. And you would probably get uh, an independent vet check anyway, especially if you're looking at a, a high price. And then there are things you may not get to see when you visit the horse. Um, are there any vices or bad habits like biting, nipping, kicking, crib biting, sucking, weaving, rearing, bucking? Yep. Uh, you may have the skills to deal with those and some of them may not be deal breakers. But if you don't have the skills to deal with them, then and even if you do, quite honestly, it's better to avoid them if you can. And then, you know, what is the horse like to catch, groom, rug, saddle up, lunge, worm, shoe, float? And finally, would they consider a trial if you want a trial? And uh, if you do take the horse on trial, I would get that documented with agreements as to who does what and what the condition of the horse is when it goes to you and what the expected condition is when it returns to the owner if you don't buy it. Now, look, number 10, we've got how important are bloodlines and pedigrees? Yes. They're very important if you also want to breed on with your horse. So if you're selecting a a stallion that you want to compete and then stand at stud on the, um, you know, covered with glory from his competition, record and pedigrees and bloodlines are very important if you want a mare to breed with pedigrees and bloodlines are important if you are looking for a sport horse and especially a gelding i would say that the breed is important the breed per se is it a a warm blood a thoroughbred an arabian uh, an anglo-arab whatever uh that's important but the pedigree isn't so vital to the Mm -hmm. sport pedigree is really a useful marketing tool and the most fashionable horses, um, their progeny can command higher prices on the basis of the the parent's performance, but it's not always a reliable indicator of of a horse's own ability. And I know uh, there's been some very good articles on this recently. There was one in the, the horse magazine not long ago talking about that. So you know, do do your own um, reading and make up your own mind about how important it is. But I would say, unless you want to breed, uh, just note the breed. Now, the other thing about pedigrees and bloodlines is if you want to enter your horse in its breed classes, then yes, you will want it, uh, want it to be him or her to be able to be registered with the breed association of yes. your choice okay. uh, or, or ideally already registered because the initial breeder should do that. So you should be able to buy a horse and just have it transferred into your name and that makes things a lot easier uh, than you know, tracking down pedigrees and getting DNA yourself and all sorts <laughs> of things like that. All right, that's the 10 tips that we're going to use when we're shopping for a competition prospect, particularly in dressage, show jumping and eventing. And I know you briefly talked about show horse and you know, one or two others, but that was sort of the main things for dress for as a performance horse. If we can just briefly just touch on those again and um, maybe you just sum up in a sentence or two, we can um, move on. So number one was know thyself. Yes, know yourself, what you want, what you want to do, what your ambitions are, what your limitations are, 
the old saying, a good man knows his limitations and a good woman knows her limitations as well. Mm -hmm. So be very clear on your own experience and what you are looking for and also what would suit you. Good, good. All right, number two, decide what sport and what level you want to use the horse for. So the sport will help to... uh, help you to decide what kind of conformation and movement and other characteristics you want in your horse, whether you want a horse that is very um, charismatic to look at or a horse that is very bold across country, that sort of thing. And the other uh, aspects are how how does it move, how does it look? I think I just repeated myself there, but never <laughs> mind. <laughs> um, and it will help your your shopping list because you will go looking for horses of the sort of size and look that that suits. But also, um, bearing in mind your own requirements for a horse. And um, sorry, I'm going a bit kind of in uh, inarticulate here, Glenis. I think we probably <laughs> covered that question. Okay. All right. We've got number three. Describe your ideal competition partner. Just need to summarise in a sentence or two just to remind people about the main points. Yes. Write a pen picture about what your ideal horse looks like. I think that's probably Good. The, um, the sentence about that. And okay. be as specific as you possibly can. Okay. How to develop your eye is number four. I can summarise that much more easily. <laughs> Watch, observe, remember, compare. Yep. And then do your research, read books, look at look at things online, look at YouTube uh, if you prefer pictures to reading. And there are, of course, podcasts, which I didn't mention before, <laughs> and discuss your thoughts and findings with experienced people. Good. All right, number five is where can you find a suitable horse? Uh, to name just few, there is word of mouth, there's uh, going to competitions and asking around, same of clubs. You can find horses on social media, in magazines, through dealers and breeders and through auctions. Yep, good, good. All right, then when you go to see the horse, what qualities should you look for? First and foremost, for the horses we're talking about, which are competitors in the Olympic disciplines of dressage, show jumping and eventing, you want the horse to be an athlete and therefore you want to look at the whole horse in terms of its ability to be an athlete uh, from confirmation through movement to attitude and, um, you know, skills like like ability and that sort of thing, sure-footedness. Good, good. Number seven is evaluating the temperament and the manners of your horse. Yes, this is when you look at horse, preferably in uh, his or her own stable first and get an idea of of how the horse views the world and then what the horse is like when uh, he or she is being handled, led around, displayed to you, touched. You can learn a lot through the eyes of the horse about the horse's personality and the question at the back of your mind is, will I enjoy working with this horse? Yep, yep. All right, what about the uh, number eight, the experience and training of the horse? You can observe this first by, um, well, first of all, ask the owner about it and then get somebody else to ride the horse, watch them ride it. One thing I didn't say earlier was uh, it's also good when you finally get around to riding the horse yourself if you like it, if you can take 
uh, somebody else who's on your side, a neutral person, yep. to also have a ride and give you some advice on how they feel uh, about the horse and okay. its its balance, its attitude to the bridle, saddle, rider. Is it green? Is it experienced? Is it sour? Yep. That sort of thing. Yep. What about uh, the experience and the training? Oh, we've done that. The, the question, sorry, you ask the seller. Uh, as many as you can think of, uh, <laughs> from health and soundness to... Um, vices and bad habits to, in fact, also other things like what kind of treats does the horse like? Some of them like carrots, some like apples, some hate treats altogether. Do they like their ears scratched? Do they hate their ears being touched? All that sort of thing. All right. And number 10 is how important are bloodlines and pedigrees? Yes, I think to sum that up, the um, they are very important if you want to breed and not so important to a sport horse. Okay. Performance horse, yep. All right, Joanne, mm. we've done those 10 points and I know that you've got on your website that you often will, doesn't matter where people are, you can look at horses by video and give advice about the selection of a horse, can't you? Yes, it's um, basically a pre-purchase service, a virtual pre-purchase service, if yes. you like, uh, which includes an uh, questionnaire, I stopped calling it an exam paper, a questionnaire <laughs> that you complete on behalf of the prospective horse or pony yep. and then that gives me a basis for seeing what your plans for the horse are and then evaluating the horse from video and still photos for confirmation and movement in particular, Okay. but also if they're ridden um, suitability. So yes, that's uh, a new service that I have introduced at a an introductory price, and I, uh, it's it's actually something I enjoy doing. It doesn't take very long, mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's a valuable way to give people a second or third or fourth opinion. Sure, sure. So, Joanne, what's the best way for people to contact you if they'd like to get this service? Uh, well, my website is uh, the three W's dot winninghorsemanship dot com, and there's a uh, if you then go forward slash services, there's a tab called services where that pre-purchase service is outlined. And you can also contact me through the, the website or you can phone me or email me. But my email address is about to change, so I won't give you that. <laughs> Just click <laughs> on okay. contact in the, on the sure. website. Once your email does change, you can give us the details and we'll have it on horsechats.com slash Joanne Varekios or just go to horsechats.com, search for Joanne or search for Varekios, B-E-R-I-K-I-O-S. Thanks, Joanne, for coming today. Oh, my pleasure. And yes, thanks for offering to put the new email on the website. I will hope to get the old one, you know, pointing to the new one for a while. But, oh, <laughs> no worries. That remains to be seen. So I just thought I'd warn you. All right. Well, hopefully we'll catch up with you soon with another educational lesson on I'm sure you'll have something to do with winning horsemanship. Thank you very much for coming. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, 
then please leave your comment below.